0: Hello, my name is Kiana W. Mitchell, and I am a singer, songwriter, podcaster, and relationship coach. I am also a Christian who, for years, grew up in a religion that taught me to fear God instead of have a relationship with God. It wasn't until I lost my religion and developed a relationship with God that I was able to understand how much God really loved me. Each one of us have a story to tell about how we found God. Each one of us have taken a different path and a different journey to find God. So join me as we go on a journey through interviews and music to discover how people find God. I'm Can't tell me
1: I'm
0: Hello, and welcome to another episode of the Finding God Podcast. I am your host, Keanu W. Mitchell. This week on the podcast, we have an amazing guest. His name is Robert, and he's a pastor and author located near Jacksonville, Florida. He is dedicated to encouraging others with the good news of Jesus. Robert has authored three books, with his most recent book being called Hidden Fruit. He has over 10 years of experience as a personal trainer, business owner, and Mercedes-Benz employee. He enjoys spending quality time with his wife and son. Robert recharges through sports and loves to play competitive tennis. Robert has an amazing story to share about how he found God. So without further ado, here is Robert's story about how he found God. Hello, Robert, how are you doing today?
2: I'm doing great. Thank you for having me on.
0: Thank you so much for being a guest. I truly appreciate it. Now, I know we met on the Find a Guest website, so I'm really excited to hear your story of how you found God. It, when your, little, your message was intriguing, so I was like, oh, well, I really want him to be a guest. So thank you for agreeing to be a guest on the show. You're welcome. Okay, so we're going to start with the initiation question that I ask every single guest. So here's the question. What was your childhood like?
2: Well, my childhood was a lot of sports. I okay. grew up playing tennis. Uh, you know even from the, I started at the age of five playing wow. tennis. Yes, it was a way for our family uh, to have a kind of a free sport. We grew up on on the poor side and so didn't get to have a lot of uh, things but tennis, you know once you got a racket and some tennis balls, you're usually pretty good. And so I grew up playing tennis at a younger age, so sports really became uh, all my free time. I mean, I I played tennis from the age of five to seventeen, and so that, that kind of gives you a picture of my childhood was really sports outdoor uh, focused. And so my parents made us play outside <laughs> a I lot. Understand. Yeah.
0: No, I can understand because when I was younger, my mom would I was like, "You gotta go outside." And I was like, I, but I hated outside, so I was not in the sports. I was a kid who preferred to either be in the house reading a book or sitting in the bathroom for hours. Okay. It wasn't a bad thing, but we had one bathroom and, you know, everyone else in the family did not like that idea. So I I understand where you're coming from about the outside and doing something that you love to do. So as a child, was God a part of your life and did your family go to church? What was that like for you?
2: Yeah, God was definitely a part of our life. Um, My dad had an encounter when we were little, where he almost died at a hospital. And so he really uh, decided, okay, God, I've been given a second chance. And, and that kind of began our journey as a family where my dad decided to raise us to love God, but, you know, not really knowing what that meant, yeah. okay? And so uh, we started attending uh, a small Baptist church. I'm from uh, South Mississippi. Okay. And so we, we started going to a little small Baptist church, like no more than 40 people. We were there. And uh, that just began. I mean, my dad's like, look, I've got the second chance. I want to do the right thing. And so we were in church Sunday, <laughs> Sunday night, Wednesday. I mean, all the time. Uh, my dad would, you know, try to teach some Bible studies at the house, around the dinner table. Uh, my parents were really big on, hey, we're going to eat together, right? And so we'd <laughs> eat together with the family, but not before we prayed. <laughs> so God was definitely. <laughs> a part of my childhood, just kind of immersed in it. And so, uh, you know, learned a lot as a child mm-hmm. through that, but that was definitely uh, my upbringing.
0: That is awesome. And I re- that resonates with me so much because I also grew up in a small country church. I was in the South too, South Carolina, and it was in a town called Arnsburg. So we went to a church there. And I understand not a lot of people was at our church. We had under a hundred, but it's like we were there like Saturdays, saturday nights like in the afternoons, news friday nights for choir rehearsals then wednesdays and then we had other activities then we had a church school so then the same kids i saw in church i also saw in church school like every single day so we were also that way as well so i totally get that what is one thing as a child that resonated with you about god so even if you didn't understand anything else, what was one thing that you understood and kind of was like, oh wow, that's awesome. I didn't you know, it's amazing God is like that if there's one thing that you can think about.
2: Yeah, that's good. You know, I always remember going to church and feeling peace and love, right? As a kid, like I never thought church was a dangerous place right. or um was a place that I was ever unsafe. And so as a kid, you know, that was my first real, you know. Uh, revelation i guess about god is like well this place is always safe uh mm-hmm. i mean even as a kid i try to fall asleep <laughs> 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 on, on the pew or the bench right because uh, <clears throat> sometimes kids just don't get the message and so yeah. i would i would try to sleep but it was a peaceful place like you're not going to sleep somewhere where you don't feel safe and That's at true. peace and so that was a really big deal for me as a child beginning to understand god through that
0: Yeah, I like that. I used to fall asleep too. And it was peaceful. I agree with you because it's like you went there. You never thought you were in any danger. You felt free to walk through the church by yourself. There was no stranger danger. So I totally understand that because I've had the same experience as a kid going to church. It was a peaceful place, a safe place. And I never worried or thought about safety in that environment. So as you got older, tell me how God played into your life or if he didn't play into your life as you went through your adolescent years.
2: Yeah, so um, you know, being at home, my dad was like, "Hey, as long as you you live here, <laughs> you're going to church." So I went to church, you know, whether I liked it or not. At some point uh, in in my teenage years, uh, but we were there, and um, and and that I guess stability and foundation of you know going and committing to something, even when you don't feel like it, yeah. was a really big lesson for me. You know, there's times in life I don't feel like doing a lot of things, to be honest, you yeah. know, going to the gym, eating healthy. <laughs> and and so there's a lot of things that um, if I follow my feelings and emotions, I'm not going to do, even though they're benefit for me. They're good for me. Mm-hmm. And so, again, that was a life lesson where even when we would go off on vacation, right, we would we would be gone uh, away from church. And, and my dad was, OK, well, we're going to have church here wherever we are we're going to pray we're going to read something and it was that commitment and that steadfastness that really stood out to me as a kid like wow um even understanding now that while god is bigger than a building god is bigger than what i've even understood him to be and so learning uh as a as a kid and in my teenage years that um you know it's not just something that we do in a, in a building on one time that no this is something that we've committed to to following him and the good times the hard times uh and everything in between
0: i like that and i especially like how you said it kind of taught you some life lessons because you know many times we don't think about it as a way to teach us life lessons especially when you said even you were committed to it even if you didn't feel like doing it it was something you had to do and i think about it because that is life like we don't feel like going to work but we have to go the gym i i don't like the gym but i have to go the eating healthy and all of these other things. Just like sometimes there are things that we do that we commit to, and we don't necessarily want to do it, but it teaches us a lesson. So I think that in your case, it really helped out a lot, and I can see the life lesson that it had with it, as far as letting you know that okay, so if you make a commitment, this is what we're gonna do, and you may not feel like it right now, but you have to be a person that honor your word. So I like that. So tell me when you began to realize that it's about having a relationship with God more so than just the religion aspect of it.
2: Yeah, well, I would start off by saying I was saved or accepted Jesus um, as my savior at 10 years old. And Uh so that was um, a really big deal because it, it turned from something I thought about Mm-hmm. to to something i now embraced and understood um as a relationship standpoint and so i remember um sitting in church you know and and just it was all head knowledge and all of a sudden the pastor just starts talking about this relationship versus these rules and i just remember god just this feeling this overwhelming feeling of it it's like time you, you know like this is it. it it it's like a decision time right game time for people that play sports like when it's game time you know you you've got to step up and so i just knew as a 10 year old kid i had a choice to make and i just felt this decision and so i decided to accept uh jesus went to the pastor in the front that's how you know it's a big deal for a 10 year old to walk up in front of the church uh especially a small church when everybody knows you and so i remember my dad told me you know a while back he's like i had no idea what you were doing (laughs) I don't know why you left, you know it's funny, um, uh, but th- I remember that night, I remember that night so clearly, like it was yesterday, where I, when I went to bed, I felt so much peace, it was almost like my dad was standing guard over me at night. It, it was that kind of feeling that, like no matter what was going on, I was safe, so for the first time. You know, what I felt in church, that peace, that comfort was now in my home. What was now, I mean, from a 10-year-old, you know, like, what do I really got to be afraid of, right? Right. Uh, the, the, The monsters under the bed or something like, you know, but I remember for the first time feeling absolute peace that I'd never experienced before. And so I can actually look back on that moment even now and know that that experience was real because I know what I felt. And no one can take that away from me.
0: No, I agree because I know. Now, I think it's great that you did it at 10 years old because that is huge for you to feel that and to know that and to get the whole relationship aspect at 10 years old. I think that is huge. I didn't start thinking about that until I got much older. I remember being 10 and 9 and my sisters were getting baptized, but I was not doing it. And everyone was like, Kiana, go ahead, do it. And I was like, nope. And I guess I'm the kind of person where if I feel like I'm being pressured to do something, then of course I'm just going to be like, I'm just not going to do this. So I just gave myself a time limit. I was like, okay, I'll do it when I'm 18. And everyone was like, why are you going to wait till you're 18? I was like, because I want to. But I'm going to be honest. I really said 18 because I was putting it off and I just felt pressured to do something I didn't want to do at that moment. And so, but then it's crazy because at 18, it's like, that's when I finally did get baptized, but I didn't do it just because I set a date. I did it because that's when I felt God talking to me. And that's when I felt like, okay, I was running away from him. I'm tired of fighting you. You know, let's let's work together. Let's do this thing. And so that is why I did it at 18. But I think it's amazing because regardless of when you decide to accept God as your personal Lord and Savior, you're going to have some challenges. Whether you are 10, as you get older, there are going to be challenges, or whether you're 18 or Whatever age you're going to be, so tell me about some of the challenges that you had after you accepted God, and then tell me how God was able to comfort you and help you make the right decision. And even if you didn't make the right decision, how he was able, how he showed you that he was there for you in spite of everything.
2: Yeah, well, I was um, very blessed to have parents, you know, who um, were really good, you know, wanted to model God, mm-hmm. and so a, a lot of us see. God through the filter of others, right? You know? Yeah, so it's why a lot of us, you know, we see other Christians and we're like, "No way, <laughs> I'm not, I'm not following them," yeah. right? Because sometimes we just act crazy, and so, um, but luckily, you know, my parents uh, did a really good job, in, in my opinion, and so I got to experience God through them in a lot of ways. So when they made mistakes, they apologized. Mm-hmm. That is huge to, yes. to for a kid to hear their parents apologize when they make mistakes. I mean, it's even hard for me as a parent to apologize to to my kid. And so I got to see them model God, model Jesus um, in my own life as I was growing up. And so when I made mistakes, uh, they would remind me, hey, what do you do when you make mistakes? What do you do when you're stuck in a situation that you don't want to be in? How do you respond to this? And so I got to see them model things for me, but I know not everyone does. Uh, And and I know a lot of us actually, um, parents are so busy, they're working, they're off, they're doing things, and they don't really spend a lot of time uh, with their kids. And so I would even say, as I became a teenager, and began to branch out uh, by myself, I had to now make decisions and choices how I was going to respond. Mm -hmm. And so I think it's important uh, for us to get to that decision-making and know that like, Hey, I have a choice how I'm going to respond. And so, like you said, you know, feeling uh, trapped or pressured um, that's important for parents to realize, to allow their kids to be able to make choices and to understand (laughs) at an early age that there's consequences for our choices, but empowering us and empowering people to make choices and and to say, okay, there's going to be consequences for this choice, but I have the freedom to choose, and, and I believe God gives us the freedom yeah. to choose and follow him.
0: Absolutely, and I totally agree with that, because I know, as a parent, it is difficult to apologize to your kids, but there have been so many times where I had to go back to them like, you know what, I am sorry I overreacted, I shouldn't have said it that way, now yes, you should have done what I asked you to do, but I should not have, you know, used that tone of voice or I could have asked in a better way or something like that. And I found myself coming to agreements with my kids, even when they were younger, even like small things like homework. There have been times where I saw they were doing their homework wrong. All right. Now, this is a funny story. It's like my daughter was helping my youngest daughter make a paper mache volcano. And I said to her, I was like, you know what, you're going to need... I think it was baking soda or something. I was like, you're going to need baking soda for that because if you don't, oh, no, it was glue. They were trying to get it to stick together. I said, yeah, so here's the glue. You guys are going to need it. She's like, mom, we don't need glue. I was like, yes, we do. And she's like, nope, I've done it before. We don't need glue. We're going to be fine. And I said, are you sure you don't need the glue? And she's like, yes. I was like, okay, well, glue is here if you need it. If you use it, fine. If you don't, that's your choice. And so then let's say 45 minutes later when she's crying, and her thing's not sticking together, and everything's falling apart, and she's like, it's just not working, I said, yes, because remember, we had to use the glue, and then we looked it up, and it said glue, and she's like, oh, okay, and so then I helped her, but the point was, I didn't force her to use the glue, and I didn't do that, because I was like, you know, she's gonna have to make a decision if she's gonna do this or not, now, of course, it's it's the wrong way of doing it, but I had to let her make that mistake because if I didn't, she would have just seen it as like, my mom's always making me do stuff or this. But when she saw the logic behind it and why she had to use the glue, then it changed how she thought about things. And even sometimes when it comes to homework, I'm the kind of parent who I ask my kids, okay, do you have your homework? Okay, so let's do it now. And they're like, no, we want to do it later. I was like, okay, you can do it later. But if it doesn't get done and you get it back, grade, this is what's going to happen. You know, this is the consequence. And so I let them pick it, you know, and then if they do it, great. If they don't, they see the consequence and they know there's a consequence at home as well. So that kind of helps them make sure they get their homework done. I've been doing this since they were younger. So now that they're older, nine times out of ten, I can say my girls are going to get their homework done. Not because I'm standing over them, I'm not watching them or anything like that. But they just know if I don't get my homework done. I'm going to get an F and there's a life consequence to that. And I think it's important because just like you said, God gives us choices. And I personally don't believe God punishes us for not listening to him. I don't believe that. What I think happens is that guys like Kiana, don't do this. You know, don't drive too fast. Make sure you pay attention to speed limit. You could have an accident if you go too fast. And if I listen, I'm not going to have an accident because that's just how things go. If I don't listen, <laughs> I'm going really fast and have an accident God didn't punish me. He didn't make me have an accident. It's just that if you go fast, you're not paying attention, you're going to have an accident. This is what's going to happen. So I kind of think that God sees in advance what could happen to us. And He tries to warn us, but you think He just lets us decide whether we're going to listen or not. And if we don't listen, then it's just natural consequences that happen. It's not like He's saying, well, you know, you're doomed now because you did this and I'm punishing you. I'm like, no, I don't think we're being punished. I just think these are consequences of our actions by not listening to what God has told us to do.
2: Yeah, and I agree. That's just the concept of reaping and sowing. Mm-hmm. Y- you know, it's not that God is punishing us, but there is consequences for our actions that we chose. Yeah. But even with reaping and sowing, like it's designed to bless us. Mm-hmm. Like we're designed to reap. I mean, you plant a seed into the ground; you're meant to reap an entire fruit and yeah. harvest from it. So. The concept of reaping and sowing in the Bible is even a blessing if we follow it, uh, but but it's a law we can't get away from.
0: No, it's true. And then the thing that I actually like about it is like, some, there have been times where I knew the right thing to do, I didn't do it. But even in those moments, God wasn't like, okay, Kiana, I'm done with you. You know, you just screwed this up. I'm not going to be with you anymore. No, He was still with me. And there were times, in his grace and his mercy, the consequence was not as bad <laughs> as it could have been, because God was like, you know what? I'm just gonna be I'm gonna help you out this time. I understand what you did was foolish, but I am not gonna leave you. And then the time that had to go through the consequences, he was right there. And so I think it's important because sometimes I think that we kind of scare people as Christians, like, well, if you don't do this, God's gonna let this happen to you and this, that, and the other. Cause I know I was kind of told that as a kid that, you know, if I didn't if I didn't accept God, then I was going to, then something bad could happen to me, and then a story was told to me when I was a kid, like, well, if you don't get baptized and accept God, then this guy, no, here's how the story was, my mom, and I know she didn't mean it to scare me, but, you know, she was just trying to help me the best way she knew how, but it didn't quite work out the way she intended, because it changed the way I thought about things, (laughs) and I know that's not what she meant, but, you know, the way I perceived it, she was just like, well, Kiana, you know, there was this kid, his parents prayed for him, he wasn't going to get baptized, he wasn't going to do this, and then he had an accident and he was paralyzed, and then he accepted God. So I think what she meant to say was that, you know, I don't know, it was just one of those weird stories, So I'm sure there was a point, and I'm sure it wasn't meant to try to scare me, but the, what I got from it was like, oh, so God's going to make me paralyzed because I don't want to get baptized, like, what? <laughs> and then I was just telling people... You know, don't pray that I be saved. Don't pray for me at all because if that's going to happen, I don't need your prayers. I will just pray for myself. And then I found myself praying still like, God, I don't want to do this, but don't let anything bad happen to me, you know? But as I got older, I realized, okay, that was just a bad story. Maybe it should have never been told, but that's not how God operates. Not at all. But I didn't figure that out until I was old enough and I was reading the Bible for myself and having a relationship with God. And then I was just like, oh so God doesn't make me won't make me paralyzed if I don't do this oh he won't make bad stuff happen to me you know but it was a long time before I figured that out so I think that it's important even when we are talking to people to kind of make sure we represent things in the right way because even though we may know how we want to try to say something it does not always translate so yeah that's kind of one of my stories so I was like, wow, I don't want to do that. So that's why I'm glad God is not like that, in that even if we don't do the right thing, God's always with us and will always protect us and be with us.
2: Yeah, he is. And I think that's a really good point you make because a lot of people fear God Mm -hmm. and are afraid of him. And and the Bible does tell us to fear him, but it's in a reverence way. Right, yes, Like a yes. child fears their parents, right? Mm-hmm. You honor them, right? You 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 understand the power and the authority that your parents exactly. have over your life, but that's a good thing. Like right. natural fear and honor and reverence is good in our life, but so many times we, we actually get afraid-afraid, <laughs> you, you know, and, yes. and that's not God. Like he doesn't mm-hmm. want us to be afraid of him. He actually wants to bring us close to him. So that's always a good filter. I tell people, hey, if you're afraid of God, like fear afraid then you know something's happened in our mind or in our past that's caused us to think that way
0: yeah and i think that is a good filter because it does say god hasn't given us a spirit of fear but of love power and a sound mind so with that being said it's clear god doesn't want us to be terrified of him or afraid of him but like you said the word fear in this instance is not like terror it's more like reverence and respect and i understand that now become apparent because there are times i I know my kids want to do things that are not right sometimes, and they tell me about it. Mom, you know what? If we didn't respect you or we didn't love you, I would have definitely said this, or I would have done that, but because we love you and because I respect you, I am not going to do that, and I think that's kind of how God wants us to be. I think he wants us to be like, even on our days when we feel like we want to do something that's not right, we would be like, well, I can't do this because how can I do this against God? Kind of like what Joseph did when... Potiphar's wife was tempting him and everything, and he was like, well, I can't do this against God, and he did it not because he was afraid of what Potiphar would do to him or even what his wife would do to him, it's because he's like, how can I do this against God, so it was more about his love for God and less about his fear or anything else anyone else and I think that if we have that love for God and that fear for God you know the reverence and respect it's one of those things where we're not going to do certain things not because we're terrified or even think about consequences because that won't even matter it'll be like how can I do this against God how can I hurt God you know how can I make him sad or whatever it'll be more like that and I think that's an example of what love is about and we having a relationship with someone's about, like we do things not because we're afraid of consequences. We do it because we don't want to hurt that person. And I think it's like that with um, our relationship with God, kids, spouses, whatever. It should be that kind of love and respect where we're not going to do it because we don't want to hurt you. and We don't want to make you sad or something like that. Well, let me ask you a question. So let's say that there's a person that's out there and you're actively looking for God. What advice would you give them?
2: That's a really good question. I would say um, you, you're going to find what you're looking for. And and so I, I've walked a lot of people through, you know, is God real and and on their pursuit in their journey to, to know God. And we have to be careful when we pursue something because we're going to uh, – we're always going to come with a bias. We're always going to come with an experience that we have, and that's not wrong. But we need to be aware that I'm approaching this journey, this pursuit with a bias that either I believe in God or I don't or I've got this good experience or I've got a bad experience. And so I would say um, just be aware of your predetermined viewpoints and and biases on things because they do exist and they are there. And, And every psychological study and research that you'll find everyone's approaching it with a bias. If you grew up in church, you're going to approach God with a filter of how you grew up and based off that denomination and if it was good or if it was a bad experience. And so in our pursuit, it's very healthy. One of the things I pray as much as I can remember is God, just show me something I don't understand. Like God revealed to me something that I, I've just completely got off track, and and it's just amazing. Something will just pop into my mind, and I'm like, you know what? I need to study that a little bit more. Maybe I don't really understand uh, what that passage is saying, or I don't really understand uh, something. Because even though I grew up uh, Baptist, uh, I grew up you, you know Southern Baptist, and so in, in South Mississippi, I've had to really branch out and open up my filter. and and say okay i i need to study and get a bigger understanding of god because guess what god's even outside the united states and and he's been moving for a long time and so i would say that's the that's my biggest advice is just be careful how we approach our journey
0: i like that i do because you're so right like so many times we approach things based on like you said our preconceived thoughts and opinions about what we've seen experienced and sometimes you just got to let it go because I know for me personally I had to let go like a lot of judgment because I think when you grow up in the church sometimes it's easy to kind of have judgment all in you it's not like you're trying or anything but it's like what you're taught and the things you expect to happen like people are always like well you know this is right this is wrong and it's always like so clear black and white but what we don't understand is that we're not God. Like, I don't know what God thinks about this person. And I know he loves them, but only God can judge. And I think that God is the only one who should be able to tell people, you know, what you're doing is right or wrong. I think we should love, we should be an example. Our our actions should speak louder than our words. People should be like, well, you know, I'm not going to do this around them because that's just not who they are. It should be something like that instead of us saying stuff like, well, don't do this. I don't do this. You know, I think if we have to say so much what we don't do, then we're not really living the way we're supposed to because people should be able to see it so for me it was just about the whole judgment thing and so as I began to have a relationship with God God had to take that out because my preconceived notion was like I'm right everybody else is wrong and that's not how that is you know that's just not how that works it doesn't work that way so I totally understand that I love that you said that because so many times we can't see who we really are because of the fact that we have so much going on and we have to let that go. So thank you for bringing that out. I appreciate it.
2: Yeah, you're welcome. Judgment is like putting on a pair of glasses. Mm -hmm. We're going to see through that filter and that lens because we've decided to judge. So, and then sometimes we forget that we're wearing the glasses.
0: (laughs) (laughs) That is so true. So true. I love that. All right. Well, thank you so much for being a guest on the Finding God podcast. It was amazing talking to you and thanks again for being a guest.
2: You're welcome, it was an honor.
0: Wow, what an amazing interview. I especially love the part when Robert talks about how when it comes to fearing God, it's not a fear of terror, it's a fear of love and respect, and how if you find yourself being afraid of God, then maybe you need to revisit some things because that's not the feeling God wants you to have when you think about Him. I also like the part How Robert's story, in his story, he talks about how he grew up in a church and how he did the right things and how he did what he was supposed to do. But the thing that resonates the most is that even though he did all of these things, he still needed God. And so what I want to do is just encourage you. I know sometimes we think that our life has to be a mess or in chaos before we can find God and before God can help us, but that's not true. Even if your life is going smoothly and everything is fine, you still have a need for God. And God can still find you in a life that's not stressful and not chaotic. So let me encourage you this week, if your life is calm and not stressful and pleasant, you still need God and God is still looking for you. Now the song we're going to listen to is from our Artist of the Week, Sam and His Sound. And we are going to listen to their single, Jesus is Love.
3: Savior, the Lord, and my King, awesome ruler, my everything, you're righteous, majestic, the beautiful one, you're the Holy Lamb, you're God's only Son, the King of Kings, and the Lord of Lords, you're an awesome God, your sovereign one, wonderful, marvelous, mighty is He. John three sixteen. oh you're my father my brother my closest friend you the first and the last beginning and the end the love you gave I cannot contain Mighty is he You are love, and we worship you forever, and we worship you forever, and we worship you forever. We lift our hands and we worship you forever. And we worship you, Lord. We worship you, Lord. We worship you forever and ever.
1: Jesus.
3: so we thank you for your love you are love there's no hating you you're our love there's no madness in you you're our love you're holy and you're righteous and so we thank you for this love you have given us
0: Before I end the podcast, I would like to thank you so much for being here with me today and listening to another inspirational story about how people find God. If you love the podcast as much as I love spending time with you, I encourage you to share this week's episode with a friend or family member and to make sure that you like and follow the podcast wherever you listen to podcasts. I will also love it if you would leave a review for the podcast so that you can let me know how much you are enjoying the show. If you would like to get in contact with Robert, Sam and his sound, or myself, all of our contact information can be found in the show notes and all you have to do is click on the links below and you will definitely be able to get in contact with us. If you would like to be a guest on a podcast, click on the email address in the show notes and let me know that you would like to be a guest and I will make sure that I get in contact with you and schedule a day and time for you to record an interview. If you would like to submit music to the podcast, click on the email address in the show notes and send me an email letting me know that you would like to submit a song for the show. In this email, send a picture, a short bio, and an mp3 of the song that you would like to submit. Well, I think that's all for now. So until next week, have an amazing day and a wonderful weekend. Bye-bye.